Woodhouse Nissan offers a variety of SUVs and crossovers to fit your lifestyle. Whether you're looking for an SUV with high towing capability or a crossover with all-wheel drive, you can expect a variety of safety features, plenty of seating, ample cargo space, and innovative design to tackle virtually any adventure. Explore the Nissan lineup of SUVs and crossovers featuring Rogue, Rogue Sport, Kicks, Murano, Pathfinder, and Armada. Visit one of our two Nissan locations or shop online at woodhouse.com. This is America with Rich Valdez, powered by PolitiWeek.com. And Rich Valdez is with us, former Christie administration official. You worked for Chris Christie, you've been in politics, done a lot of public service stuff. Rich Valdez, columnist now with the Washington Times. This is America. Richie V, you're on the air with the nation. The nation. This is America with your host, Rich Valdez. What's up, America? I am Rich Valdez, your liberty-loving Latino amigo, and I'm right here, 17 floors above Madison Square Garden in New York City. There's a threat targeting America, and it's called progressivism. In the past, I've said that the Democrat Party was the enemy of Latinos, the enemy of Americans of Hispanic heritage. But they've broadened their scope beyond just the subjugation of minorities. Now they're trying to subjugate all Americans. That is not progress. If you can vote, they want you. If you have money, they want it. And if you're broke, they want to buy you. Democrats have been trying to politically prostitute Latinos and other minorities for decades. I'm here to tell you, Latinos are not for sale. Now, Joe Biden seems to just be learning this the hard way, just like so many others. And we've got a lot going on, so I want to get into AOC's debate, her final debate her victory over her opponents, Stunner, and her comments that Latinos are black. And a little later, we're going to get into what's going on with the military. And if we have time, we're going to jump into a little bit of that Obama craziness. But Latinos are not for sale. And Joe Biden, he's having a hard time bringing on those Bernie Sanders supporters, in particular, the Hispanic Bernie Sanders supporters. Why? Well, because in addition to him being the oldest white guy running in this race, Joe Biden is also incredibly transparent in so much as he doesn't even pretend to pander to Hispanics. That's how much he doesn't give a damn about them. You know, earlier I was looking at a report from JustFacts.com. That's F-A-C-T-S, JustFacts.com. And it said, during the Constitutional Convention, James Madison stated that all civilized societies are divided into different sects, factions, and interests. And where a majority are united by a common interest or passion, the rights of the minority are in danger. That's the foundation of our electoral college. He then stated that this was the cause of slavery, the most oppressive dominion ever exercised by man over another man. At the time, slavery had been widely practiced since the dawn of recorded history and was broadly accepted throughout the world. But many of the U.S. founders thought differently and they fought to abolish it. So five of the original 13 states passed laws to do just that within 10 years of signing the Declaration of Independence. Within 31 years of the signing, the U.S. enacted a law barring the entire nation from participating in the international slave trade. And within 90 years, the United States passed a constitutional amendment banning slavery. And again, this is from the Just Facts documents on their website at JustFacts.com. It's a document entitled The History of Slavery. And you should go check it out at JustFacts.com. I'd love to know what you think about it. So let me know 
at Rich Valdez on Twitter, at Rich Valdez on Parlor, at Rich Valdez on Instagram, however you want to get us. I'd love to hear your thoughts and give them a follow too, at Real Just Facts on Twitter. Now, while Joe Biden isn't doing anything to find success or pander to the Hispanics, President Trump's growing grassroots movement of Hispanic evangelicals and Latinos that are just saying adios, adios, peace to the left continues to gain strength. There are more and more Latinos walking away from the Democrat Party. And quite frankly, there are more and more independents that didn't care about party structure that are jumping on the Trump train and the liberty movement because they see what's going on. We already know that Trump outperformed the previous Republican presidential candidate, Romney and McCain. And that's according to the Washington Post article entitled, Trump got more votes from people of color than Romney did. Here's the data. And that's the Washington Post. Speaking of people of color, and again, I don't necessarily live my own life through this lens of racism and black and brown color, but so many around here do. In particular, my favorite congresswoman from the 14th district from the Bronx and Queens, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, had some interesting comments. And I say they're interesting because it's a topic of debate. Earlier this week, I heard a clip of Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez saying that Latinos are black. Now, I'm not taking the position that we are not. If you listen to this program, you'll know that I've made a similar statement about myself personally, right? My dad is literally red. His skin, God rest his soul, was brownish, reddish in color, like a Native American or a Native Indian to Puerto Rico, the Taino tribe, who my dad had lineage to. Now, my mom and her side of the family have diverse roots. A very light-skinned, part Spaniard grandpa, her dad, and my grandmother, who was a very fair-skinned Panamanian. Now, if you've ever been to Panama, everybody's black. And if you look at me, I don't look white. I'm as brown as they come. So my point is that for me, as a Latino, yes, there is African blood running through me, just as there is white European blood from the Spaniards. In essence, that is how Puerto Rico got its start. And both my parents were born in Puerto Rico. Now, I say all of this not to give you a history lesson on my genealogy and my family tree, but to make the point that what AOC is not necessarily wrong. However, it's not necessarily right as a generalized broad statement. Now, that was for context. Check out what AOC had to say. And now that you talk about race, uh, what do you think the Latinx community should do to stop racism among them and among other races? Yeah, well, the first thing that's so important is for us to talk about racism within our community and how we fit both, how we are both impacted by racism in the United States and across the world, but also how it exists within our own communities. And, um, you know, a lot of times I'll hear people say, okay, this is about Black Lives Matter. What about Latinos. And I always say Latinos are black. <laughs> we, we are Afro-Latina and um, we, we run an entire racial spectrum. And so we have to have conversations around colorism and we have to have conversations about the African and indigenous roots from which we come and how that's reflected in systems of power, wealth inequality, and frankly, our, our political system. <laughs> I laugh because I think her comments are just made in a funny way. One of my favorite rappers, and if you listen to the show, you'll know that, 
is Fat Joe. He's from the Bronx. Puerto Rican guy, chubby guy. A lot of times people tell me, hey, you look like Fat Joe. And I, I take it as a compliment. Big shout out to the Terror Squad, Fat Joe, to the BX, to the Boogie Down, all that. Because, I mean, this is the stuff I grew up with. Fat Joe, big entrepreneur, has some um, very progressive liberal leanings in his politics. And I think that's just because that's most of New York. And I'm sure if, you know, if I had an hour and a half or two hours or if he listened to This Is America, he might change his mind on a few of those things because he is an entrepreneur. He is about economic empowerment. He does own a sneaker store in the Bronx. He is the president of I forget what with shop.com. He's a capitalist. He's a hustler. And he's been successful. But Fat Joe, the rapper, got into some trouble himself or not trouble, but a little bit of controversy when he said the same thing as a broad statement. It ain't new. All the music is African. Know what I'm saying? But you right. In Puerto Rico, when you go to uh Caribbean, like let's let's speak about Latinos not being black. Latinos are black. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. In Cuba at one time there was eight million Cubans. Five million, unfortunately, were slaves. Three million were actual Cubans. And they integrated and had babies. Same thing with Puerto Rico when you go to Los e- Loisa and when you talk about Santeria, that came from the motherland, Africa. You know, uh sometimes Latinos might even identify identify themselves with African and black culture more than black people. Mm-hmm. This ain't no crazy thing. Fat Joe ain't on crack. He know what he's talking about. Now, I believe that when if you're a Puerto Rican and you're going to say that Latinos are blacks, it's probably overstepping, right? You can say that we're part black. I think that's where the term Afro Latino comes from, because there's so much African influence in our music, some of our features, etc. The bottom line here is that what AOC did was pander. She pandered because she lives through the lens of black and brown. There are plenty of white Hispanics. Go to Cuba. There's tons of them. As a matter of fact, in my family, I've got siblings. Blue eyes, green eyes, blondish hair. Runs in the family. Skipped me, though. So my point is, these types of generalizations aren't always accurate. What I'm more concerned with is why she said it. And she said it for the same reason that Joe Biden told Charlemagne the God that he wasn't black. I'm not acknowledging anybody who is being considered, but I guarantee you there are multiple black women being considered. Multiple. Well, you know, Thank you so me- much. That's really our time. I apologize. You can't do that to black media. You I can't do that to white media and black media because my wife has to go on at six o'clock. Okay. Oh, oh, I'm in trouble. Listen, you got to come see us when you come to New York, VP Biden. Cause it's I a, will. It's a long way until November. We got more questions. You got more okay. questions. But I tell you, if you have a problem figuring out whether you're for me or Trump and you ain't black. It don't have nothing to do with Trump. It has to do with the fact I want something for my community. I- so you've got Joe Biden saying, if you don't vote for me, you're not black. And you've got AOC saying Latinos are black. Do you see the trend? This is more and more race baiting. This is more and more race hustling, pushing people to see life through the lens of black and brown, creating a monolith amongst Hispanics and Latinos and the way that they vote and the way that they think. Who else did that? Che Guevara? Yep. Che Guevara. (laughs) And so many like him and his boss, Fidel Castro, and so many others like Bill de Blasio's hero, Daniel Ortega, and the Sandinistas in Nicaragua. All of us witnessed last year, part of this year, the damage that socialism brings 
to a country like Venezuela. We've seen Juan Guaido fighting on the front lines for liberty in Venezuela, fighting against the remnants of Hugo Chavez and his successor, who's just as bad, Nicolás Maduro. Dictators like Maduro and all the rest of these clowns, they're all the same, but there's one thing that they all believe. They believe in the same stuff as AOC. They believe in collectivism. They believe that they know better than you and that the government should be your daddy. The government should be in charge of you. The government knows better than you. I say that's Bolshevik. Keep it locked right there. When we come back, we're going to get into a few more things. I'm Rich Valdez. You're listening to This Is America. This Is America. America, welcome back. I am Rich Valdez, and we're still here, New York City, 17 floors high, right here, MSG, NYC. I want to talk about the erasure of history that's going on right now. You see, you don't erase history in order to improve the future. You just improve the future. Erasing history doesn't help my kids, my grandkids, or their kids, or future generations. Ripping down statues, destroying monuments, changing the names of states. Right now, Rhode Island is considering changing their name. Hey, listen, if that's what the people want to do, then have them put it on the ballot and do it. But this frantic nature of jumping on this bandwagon is stupid. What you want is equality, not an erasure of history. So I was checking out an article in Forbes magazine, and it says Biden reaffirms plan to cancel student debt, reduce racial inequality. Now, I'm not going to get into all the details, but it's the overall idea that reducing student debt or eliminating it, canceling student debt, will reduce racial inequality. My argument would be that you're presuming that the inequality that we have is based on race, which I fundamentally don't believe it is. There's an old saying that what I eat doesn't make you fat. Therefore, somebody else being rich doesn't make me poor. I'm not entitled to that guy's dollar, just like he's not entitled to mine. Because some dudes have three wives doesn't mean we blame him for guys that are single. Get my drift? But we have a media that is expert at crafting these headlines to get you to believe things. Because why? Because you're a good person. And when you're a good person, you tend to think, okay, well, you know what? I don't believe in treating somebody differently because they're black. I don't want to racially uh, treat somebody poorly or unequally. So you think to yourself, well, maybe I shouldn't do that. And that's not me, a white person. That's me, an American of Puerto Rican descent. I don't want to treat anybody bad based on their heritage. So why do we even have these discussions? Well, it's because, again, these articles and these news reports, tweets, memes, all of it are designed to elicit an emotive response. They want you to get excited. And this happens on both sides of the political spectrum. This is not unique to the left. What's unique to the left is that they're better at it than we are and that they've been doing it longer than we have. So there's more of it. In a sense, there's inequality in the media, right? Inequality on social media. They mean better than we do. They're able to trick people easier than any of us could. And most of us don't want to trick anybody. But that's exactly what Joe Biden and the progressive left are doing. They're trying to trick you and me and everybody else that'll listen into thinking that every single last thing is racism. Every single last thing is because of capitalism. And if we get rid of capitalism and we get rid of racism, then we have utopia. 
Yes, it's that whole Karl Marx thing. But the point about this Biden article that I wanted to get into was about canceling student debt. And I think that's interesting because having been a student uh, attending NYU and a bunch of other schools and dropping out because it really was not for me, I can tell you that I incurred some student debt. And yeah, every time I look at my account to make a payment or whatever, you know, file the different paperwork that you have to file because during Obama's tenure, my loans were through banks and those banks sold these loans to what is now a federal bank called the United States Department of Education. Woodhouse Nissan offers a variety of SUVs and crossovers to fit your lifestyle. Whether you're looking for an SUV with high towing capability or a crossover with all-wheel drive, you can expect a variety of safety features, plenty of seating, ample cargo space, and innovative design to tackle virtually any adventure. Explore the Nissan lineup of SUVs and crossovers featuring Rogue, Rogue Sport, Kicks, Murano, Pathfinder, and Armada. Visit one of our two Nissan locations or shop online at woodhouse.com. You would think that the Department of Education would deal with education. Instead, the Department of Education, in large part, has become a bank. It's bought these loans, and wait, it gets better. It tells me that I can continue to pay back my loans based on my income, and in some cases, you can make a $0 payment, and that counts towards paying down the debt. And front and center, one of the things that's prominently on display is a sign that says, check out the Department of Education's public service loan forgiveness option. Now, this is where it gets interesting because when I first saw that many years ago, I thought to myself, well, that's cool because, you know, people that go into public service like social workers, people that want to work for the city or work for nonprofits typically will work at a salary that's way less than market value. However, working in the government, I realized that you make way more than every average Joe for a lot less effort. In the government, nonprofits continue to be very steeped in inequity, right? You have a lot of CEOs that um, make a lot of money, a lot of volunteers because they're mission-driven organizations, and a lot of people in the middle that went to college have loans and make way less than they thought they were ever going to make because these organizations run off donations. They don't produce anything they can sell. So they don't make a lot of money. They always have their hand out. I'm not putting them down. I'm just trying to describe how the social sector works. And great book on the social sector as a complete aside by Peter Drucker. It's a little green book. You should check it out. But jumping back into Biden and how all this stuff works out. So Obama federalized the United States Department of Education as a bank. In effect, buying people's loans. What does this do? Well, I would argue that it gets kids to go to school. We teach you how to be a Marxist. We change the way you think. We teach you about the inequity of black and brown versus white, the evil white person. We teach you about capitalism being evil, racism being evil. We must eradicate the world of these things. And that's what you learn in college. And then we say, go get a job at a nonprofit in the social sector, which typically gets their money from where? From the government, our tax dollars, redistributed money laundering, if you will. The political money laundering of taxes goes straight into the social sector. And that's how you get these leaders that are coming out of this movement. They've been doing this for more than five decades. That's how you get an AOC. That's how you get an Alicia Garza from the Black Lives Matter movement. That's how you get Patrice Cullors and all the rest of them. Because they have a complete system that you are paying for. On the other hand, there's us. 
The conservative that says, hey, get off my back and out of my pocket, mind your business, I'm minding mine. And that's nice until they knock down your statues and they destroy your history. Then what are you going to do? And that's the problem here. Progressives, radicals, I should say, have made it super easy over the last five decades to go to school and study under a white liberal, whether it be Noam Chomsky, Howard Zinn, others of the likes of Bernie Sanders and his ilk. He's in government. His colleagues are in higher education. And they've taken this earlier and earlier that you're seeing all of these issues with transsexuals and asking kindergartners, do you want to be a boy or do you want to be a girl? When you grow up, do you want to marry a man or do you want to marry a woman? All of these things are happening because the leftist knows exactly what he wants to do, what she wants to do, and how they're going to achieve it. And they're literally suckering you and suckering me and using our tax dollars to subvert our republic, our values, our way of life, and the future of our children. So I have a question for you, but I need you to keep it locked right there because when we come back, I'm going to ask you something that I asked 24,000 people on Parler, the social media app. I'm Rich Valdez. You're listening to This Is America. This is America. Okay, America. So we're back. I asked you to stick with me because I had a question. And here's the question that I asked earlier this morning. How is it that Marxists have been training college kids for the last 50 plus years and we, conservatives, still haven't beaten them at their own game? Why haven't we taken over higher ed? Now, I ask this question because in my lifetime, other than being a small business owner and operating a barbershop straight out of high school, in fact, during my senior year of high school, my career has primarily been in communications, higher ed, and in media with some service to government in between. So I asked my parlor followers this question because I really wanted to get a sense. I know what I believe. I worked in higher ed almost a decade. Now, granted, it was Christian higher ed and career-focused higher ed, so it wasn't a liberal bastion. It really wasn't. But so many private colleges across America are liberal bastions producing progressives at an alarmingly high rate. So I asked, and they answered. Again, the question is, how is it that Marxists have been training college kids for the last 50 plus years, and we conservatives still haven't beaten them at their own game? Why haven't we taken over higher ed? And I got so many comments, and I want to share some of them with you. Great Iron Chris says, could it be that conservatives, for the most part, want to be left alone and assume others do as well, while leftists think they need to control and influence everything? Now, this is a tongue-in-cheek response, but he's partially right in that, yes, we want to be left alone because we believe in liberty, but I would say it's naive of us to think that everyone else is going to do that. There's a reason we have a Second Amendment. There's a reason that we, the people, have been put in power of our government and not vice versa. Carpe Diem says, I'm secretly hoping that during the COVID shutdown, the Trump administration replaced all the books and hired new teachers for K-12. through From your lips to God's ears. Bitter Clinger in PA says, it's laziness. The Green Hornet says, stupidity, complacency, and laziness. The Inca Matrix says, no, instead parents took on insane debt, willingly sending their kids to indoctrination camps. I mean, that's okay to say that parents made a mistake, but... It doesn't answer the question. It just blames the victim. Jess McNeil 828 says, well, 
It's because we truly don't boycott politically correct businesses. Money talks the loudest in the United States. You might be right. The problem is they're using our money through taxation to achieve their goal. Molly D. Max says conservatives left the field of higher ed decades ago. Time to have a resurgence of differing views other than that of the extreme left. Well, I agree. But the question is, why the hell did we let that happen? Vicky Ann says, hopefully this is the wake up call all of the sleepers needed. We've been saying this for decades and they can always call us conspiracy theorists, but it's only a conspiracy theory until it's a conspiracy fact. I think that says a whole lot of nothing because, again, it doesn't really answer my question. My question was whether it's a conspiracy or a fact is irrelevant. What is it that the conservative has done to change this? Nick says it's a good point. Conservatives are basically gullible. Spanish Fox says because leftists are underpaid and us on the right are about capitalism and working hard. That's fine. Working hard. They've taken over. We're fighting for the soul of America. We have one guy in the White House and every day there's a new viper that comes up trying to take him out. It seems like they're the ones that have been working hard to do a lot of bad things while we've been just minding our own business. And I can't get to all of the comments, but I'm trying to get to some of the good ones because I really am perplexed as to why, why on earth would you become a dump truck driver, a real estate agent, instead of becoming a teacher, a journalist, a broadcaster, a professor? If you know that's where the fire is, why not point your hose and shoot water where there's fire? If you know that the conservatives need help in these areas, why do something else? At some point, I think we have to have some of the onus on us. We have to look in the mirror and say, what have I done to help the left? What have I done to help the left achieve what they're achieving? And I'm not trying to blame patriots. But I am trying to say that when patriots were most patriotic in this country, the infamous three percenters that put rocks in their musket to defeat the British, that was all hands on deck, all, like literally all hands on deck. During the World War, Rosie the Riveter, women were building munitions. Why? Because it was all hands on deck. So right now, we're in a cold war, an intellectual cold war. China has infiltrated and infected campuses across America with their thinking. Communist ideology. I'm sure Russia has been very helpful as well. And so many of us, knowing that that's wrong, have been helpful as well. Now, I understand. This is coming from a place of frustration for me because I spoke with a woman yesterday. She told me she was in her 80s and literally said, I love this country. I hate what's happening to it. And if I have to pick up a gun, I will. And I said, what are you going to do with the gun? And she started to cry. And I asked her why. And she said, I'll do what I have to do to defend this country. And I found it admirable. But at the same time, I think to myself, what's wrong with you, lady? What are you going to do with a gun? We're not having a literal war, at least not yet, in our streets. This war is over the heart and the mind. Snapchat. Instagram, TikTok, every other type of media that young people consume, censorship by private organizations or publicly traded organizations that don't like the way we think. And that's why I thank God for other platforms. I thank God for talk radio and places like Parler where I could get so many responses from so many people because trying that on Facebook or Twitter, it's a tall order. 
you get a handful of responses because as James O'Keefe has exposed, the minute they know that you're with Trump or you're any way related to the conservative movement, do you believe in liberty? They'll make sure that you're only talking to yourself or a handful of people. They stifle your audience from growing. They create a false truth. The truth that they want you to hear, the truth they want you to know. When you have companies like Twitter and every last engineer that works there is a leftist. When you have companies like Facebook and every last engineer that works there is a leftist and willing to stop the free flow of ideas We can't sit here and just say, we're going to use the government to force you to do what we want you to do. That's fascistic. Now, if it's within the law, great. But if it's not, what are we going to do? Make this argument of publisher versus platform? Come on. This, it's an esoteric debate at best. If I own a company and I want to say, it's liberty is great. Liberty is great. I love Trump. And someone comes to me and says, well, you can't do that because you're a platform. You're not a publisher. I'm going to say a lot of words that they're not going to want to hear. I'm going to tell them to beat it. I built my company, not you. I'll say what I want to say, not you. The hell out of here. The bottom line here is that we have to step up. In the area of tech tyranny, we have to fight back by getting people in tech. We need an army of tech warriors, an army of teachers, an army of professors, an army of people that are going to fight for liberty inside of the bureaucracy, inside of your town hall, inside of your state house, and inside of the White House, like the best example that we have right now. Donaldus Magnus, El Trompito, the 45th president of the United States. He literally set the example for all of us. And I've said this before, and I'm going to keep saying it until I turn blue. But for Trump right now, where would we be? Of course, we have God on our side. And I don't mean to minimize that in any way. But had it not been for that billionaire and his supermodel wife deciding to run for president to leave his deluxe apartment in the sky, Trump Tower on Fifth Avenue, living a damn nice life, to go into the den of vipers in Washington, the swamp, in his 70s, It's not like it's for the rest of his life. He's using, you know, the the rest of his life for his country. That is a commitment. That is patriotism. And that is the example I think we all need to follow. Stop whatever it is that you're doing and figure out a way to help America. I don't think the leftist says, oh, but I can't do that. I got three kids. Oh, I can't do that. I'm in my 60s. I don't think the leftist says that. I don't think George Washington even said those things. So why is it that so many of us say those things? And right away, we open our wallet and go, oh, here, you do it. You do it. You do this and you do that. And you know what? This one should do that. And that one should do this. In the little time that I was in the Essex County College Police Academy in their volunteer auxiliary program, something they taught us was calling for backup is probably one of the best things you can ever do because you'll, you'll never be alone. But once you make that call, until someone arrives, you are your backup. You're it. So that's what I say right now to you is please do something to make America great. Don't rely on the guy next to you to make America great. And this goes for me as well. Each of us has to get into the foray. It doesn't mean running for office. It doesn't mean becoming a radio person or a TV person or writing a book, although it can mean those things. But it means to do something, to do more than you did yesterday to get closer and closer to liberty in America the way it once was the way it's intended to be, the way we want to leave it to our children. I always say, if you stand for nothing, you will fall for anything. That's Hamilton. And I love to quote Sir Edmund Burke, 
who says the only thing necessary for evil to triumph is for good men to sit there and do nothing. Stand by and do nothing. We're seeing that happen in higher ed. We're seeing it happen in so many different levels of government. And Lord knows we've seen it already happen in the media. Let that be the admonition from those great men to all of us. Until the next time, America. Hasta la próxima. I'm Rich Valdez. And this is America. This is America. Find your next truck at Woodhouse Buick GMC. No matter where you're heading or what tasks need tackling, there's a premium and capable GMC truck that's perfect for you. Make a statement on the job site, out in the town, or wherever life leads you in the powerful and distinctive Sierra 1500. Or elevate your driving experience in the adventurous and innovative canyon. Explore our inventory online at WoodhouseBuickGMC.com or visit our indoor showroom today. Woodhouse Buick GMC. We are professional grade.